When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Putin has made it very clear that he wants to reunite the Soviet Union and that he is not ethically constrained. There is no such thing as risk-free sanctions, but our risk tolerance has to rise in the face of an actual land war in Europe. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. The risk size of the economy is not super robust. Pennsylvania has thousands of structurally deficient bridges. The need has been pronounced for a while, and Joe Biden got it done. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The majority leader in the U.S. Senate says it's a priority for this year, and there is momentum on legislation in the House. Not for Build Back Better, but for legalizing cannabis on the federal level, allowing the industry to use banks, major stock exchanges. It is more than a pipe dream today, and we're going to talk about the whole movement with two of its biggest proponents in Washington. Congressman Ed Perlmutter, Democrat from Colorado, the force behind the Safe Banking Act, which just passed the House again. And Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, who is behind the state's Reform Act. We'll get reaction from the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us today, along with Republican strategist Doug High, back with us on the fastest hour in politics. It would have been considered unthinkable even a few years ago, but Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer sent a letter to members of the Senate today. Dear colleagues, about legalizing marijuana at the federal level, saying the Senate is long overdue in addressing the issue, as he has already stated, he did so on the Senate floor last summer. The doom and gloom predictions when states like Colorado or Oregon went forward and decriminalized and legalized never occurred. In state after state, through ballot initiatives and constitutional amendments, the American people are sending a clear message that they want this policy changed. Senator Schumer writing in his letter today that he invites members into the drafting process. Bills have already been drafted in the House. In fact, the Safe Banking Act, which we've talked about on this program before, from Congressman Ed Perlmutter of Colorado, has been passed, get this, six times now. It happened again just a couple of days ago when it passed as part of the China competition bill that we have also talked about. So will this time be any different? We talk about it now with the architect himself. Congressman Perlmutter is with us, and I appreciate, Congressman, your time. Thanks for being here on Bloomberg Radio. This bill would give cannabis companies access to banks, to stock exchanges. It has bipartisan support. How come it hasn't passed beyond the House? Well, it's, well it has passed uh, beyond the House, as you said, six times. It's passed as, you know, part of a package like it's passed with the Competes Act, uh, yeah. China competition, but basically competes 
uh, with the rest of the world on a variety of things, but we passed it with the defense bill, and it's passed standalone. And it <laughs> so how come it's not a law? Well, it should be. You, yeah, I, I want you to talk to uh, Senator Schumer. I think what he wants to do is he has a much bigger package mm. that he'd like to get passed that legalizes and decriminalizes as criminal justice reform, and I support that. I just don't think he's got the votes in the Senate for that, where I am pretty sure he has the votes to pass safe banking. Uh, it has 42 co-sponsors, 10 of whom are Republicans. Uh, I think pretty much every Democrat will vote for it, yeah. and up to 15 Republicans, if it gets to the floor of the Senate. So you know, I'm a congressman. I, I'm in the House. <laughs> I've it. done my job. I've passed yes, that you have. six times now. Six times over. To your point, Senator Schumer, along with Senator Cory Booker and maybe others, seem adamant about passing something with an equity component, a justice reform component. Uh, do you support expunging criminal records, for instance, or is, is that exactly what is keeping your bill from passing? No, it, in Colorado, we are doing for, for really the tiny infractions of, uh, you know, an edible or something like that. Yeah. Our district attorneys are expunging the records. It's, it's happening on a district by district basis, state by state. And so that's part of it. I mean, I think what really, when, when we sent it to the Republican Senate three years ago, Senator Crapo said it was too big and too broad. We sent it to a Democratic Senate where uh, Senator Brown is the head of banking, it's too mm -hmm. limited and too narrow. Huh. I'm happy they can add things uh, to the bill, uh, research, veterans issues, uh, taxation, expungement. Those things I think we could probably pass in the House. Mm -hmm. The majority will get narrower and narrower. But the real question is, what can they pass in the Senate? And right. they don't... They need to take a win and need to start moving this subject forward. Well, let's the, talk about this vehicle that it's in now. Your most recent amendment passed 262 to 168. Uh, according to my uh, records here, the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, is opposing it, though, in the other chamber. It's not just Chuck Schumer. Here's what McConnell said this week. Their bill even goes out of its way to include provisions on, listen to this, marijuana banking. China has been steadily building up its military and economic might, and the Democrats' answer is to help Americans get high. Congressman Perlmutter, can your legislation survive a conference committee when you hear that? I think so. I think so. We'll see. You know, I mean, he's uh, kind of in the dark ages on this subject. We're up okay. to 47 states that have some level of marijuana use in all the territories and the District of Columbia. So, you know, McConnell added uh, CBD and hemp to the agriculture bill a few years ago. So, you know, he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth. I'd like to see this get done. When we passed it as part of the defense bill yeah. a month and a half ago, we had 321 votes. That was the fifth the time. It little... Yeah. So, you know, this is about public safety, Joe. You and I have talked about this where, you know, so much cash is generated by this business, by the marijuana industry and in colorado we've had robberies armed robberies murders we've seen a whole raft of them around the country just because there's so much cash in the various marijuana businesses yeah, right. and legal businesses ought to have legitimate banking services credit cards you know payroll accounts checking accounts um it's it just needs to get done uh, the senate is yeah. about 
20 years behind the time. Well, there are critics on both sides of the aisle. Senator Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire is one Democrat, says she's not interested in, I believe the quote here, not interested in another way for people to misuse illegal substances. How would you answer that? Uh, I'm not sure I understand what she's saying. What we've got is we have 47 states where this is happening. This is about the cash (laughs) that is generated and the public safety that is at risk because of all that cash. And so it isn't that it's going to be misused. It's This is about making those proceeds uh, so they can be banked. Because so it won't affect sure. usage, is your point, right? It's already being used. Some lawmakers, though, like to connect it to, and, and Mitch McConnell did, the opioid crisis. They say if you if you legalize marijuana, it will cause more people to use opioids. I know that there is research suggesting the opposite, Congressman, but to your point, uh, the majority of states are already using it. Well, they are. And, you know, I think the point here is, Joe, that, and I'm speaking about safe banking. I know Nancy has a bill. David Joyce has a bill that are broader in the House. We passed a big uh, legalization bill called the Moore Act that was Barbara Lee's bill in the House. But from safe banking, this is about getting the cash off the streets. I mean, that's the one. I think it's an icebreaker that will then allow the Senate and the House to look at bigger bigger issues, as is uh, proposed in Nancy's bill or Joyce's bill or some of the others. To your point, though, when we're talking about cash, you've got companies in your state in Colorado that are using SUV caravans to drive around millions of dollars between businesses and and uh, and safe houses where they keep this stuff. This has created a cottage industry of security professionals, uh, ex-military, ex-law enforcement who are simply trying to keep this money safe. How much of a certainly public has, safety certainly risk has. is that? Well, it's it's it. Well, there's a risk in the in the institutions themselves. Then you've got this whole cottage industry, as you describe. One of the uh, sponsors or supporters of the bill is Brink's Armored Car because yeah. they just know that these proceeds <laughs> need to be uh, made legal. In effect, that yeah. the from a purpose of the it's called the Controlled Substance Act says that marijuana is a Schedule One drug which means it's illegal for all purposes. And right. any proceeds from the sale of it is illegal. And we that's what we're trying to correct. So you stuff it in the mattress. For financial institutions, insurance companies, banks, credit unions, real estate companies, so that they can take proceeds from the marijuana businesses, and they're not the proceeds of an illegal industry. Congressman, we're going to be... We're going to talk next with Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican pursuing her own legalization bill. Are you encouraged to see Republican movement like that on this issue? You bet I am. And I, uh, her bill's great. David Joyce has a bill. You know, my chief co-sponsors on this are have been David Joyce, Steve Stivers, Warren Davidson, Earl Blumenauer, so Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And you can bet I'm glad to see that everybody's trying to get a problem solved. And this <laughs> hasn't taken on the real you know, partisan kind of uh, polarization that we faced on some other subjects. You're retiring uh, after this term. Is this your cause while you're still in office? <laughs> I've got a couple of causes. I want to get our astronauts to Mars by 2033 when the orbits are close together. <laughs> it saves a lot of travel time. I want to get a couple laboratories finished that I have here. But I want to get this done. Uh, we've had people killed. I've been working on this since Barney Frank assigned it to me in 2012 when Colorado legalized marijuana. He said there's going to be a problem when 
the federal laws clash with the state laws, and that's precisely what we've got and all this cash. So I want to get this done. It's a public safety matter. Plus, it's something where if a business is legal in Colorado, it ought to have legal uh, banking services available to it. Congressman Perlmutter, Democrat from Colorado, you'd sure make a lot of local businesses in your state happy with this. Uh, are they are they behind this legislation? Is this in line with what the industry is asking for as well, or do they want that bigger Schumer-style bill? They want uh, safe banking. They look at that as, as something that's very important from a public safety standpoint. They'd certainly like yep. the bigger bill, but what they want is to get this problem resolved, and they Got know it. they have the votes for it. And you know, I mean, I got governors and treasurers and attorneys <laughs> generals and you name it, the insurance industry, the real estate industry, the bank. Well, we thank industry. you, Congressman. We've been looking forward to this. Congressman Perlmutter on Bloomberg Sound On. Congresswoman Nancy Mace on this issue is next. This is Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Congressman Perlmutter just made the case for his Safe Banking Act, but it is not the only piece of legislation that's been introduced, as we mentioned, to decriminalize cannabis and support the industry. Representative Nancy Mace, Republican from South Carolina, introduced hers last year. She joins us now. Congresswoman, welcome to Bloomberg. Thank you for having me today. You ran on cannabis reform and you proposed the state's reform act. I believe it was in November. Your Democratic colleague, Congressman Ed Perlmutter, who we just spoke with, has seen his safe banking act passed six times now right. in the House. Congresswoman, what is keeping these bills from passing? Is it is it the old stigma of reefer madness or is there more to it than that? You know, it's really it's really hard to say. Uh, they've they've tried they've passed it six times out of the house safe banking. They're about to try it a seventh time. I think for some people it doesn't do enough, for others it might do too much. Hmm. And so that's sort of what complicates this issue. But this is this shouldn't be a controversial issue. Really the only place that's controversial is in is in Washington DC. This is a wildly popular issue. There's yeah. billions of dollars at stake. Uh, we want to prevent black markets from creeping up everywhere, I and mean, we want to respect the rights of states to have cannabis reforms and legalizations at whatever level that they want. And there's got to be a way to do this. But the only way, and I think you know what's been done in the past has been largely partisan. And the only way to pass cannabis reform in this country is to build consensus, mm -hmm. is to work together, both the left and the right, to do something really good for the American people. Yeah. And uh, that's what this bill, the State's Reform Act, that was my intent and my purpose was to provide 
a proof of concept, a framework that we could allow the federal government to get out of the way, respect the rights and laws of every state and that they are unique, mm-hmm. and uh, do something really good for everyone, both Democrat and Republican across the board, um, to make this happen in this country. Your bill would give cannabis companies access to banking. Uh, would that mean no more all-cash transactions? Would it mean access to more affordable loans for those companies? It would be it would be all of the above. So with this legislation, the States Reform Act, you don't need safe banking because it treats cannabis companies like alcohol companies. Okay. They're grandfathered in. They'd be legal in their in their state with at whatever level of uh, cannabis legalization reform is allowed in that state. So automatically, you get access to uh, the SBA and small business loans, micro loans, every kind of loan a company can get if they were alcohol based, if you're cannabis-based, grower, uh, producer, retailer, manufacturer, distributor, et cetera, you'd be mm-hmm. treat just like all those other legal companies in this country. And um, so there's no need for safe banking. And there's also a component uh, for expungement and release of nonviolent cannabis users, something I know that Democrats want and even a few Republicans. Hmm. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, you know this long expensive and harmful federal war on a plant that we that we do good by those who are nonviolent offenders and shouldn't be right. in federal prison and oh by the way if we do that that saves 600 million dollars for the federal government over the next 5 years so there's uh, really something for everyone it deschedules cannabis so in order to study marijuana so for medical research purposes, component. you can't treat it like Schedule 1, mm-hmm. like you do heroin and opioids, right? And so you've got to take these steps to do it right and do it responsibly. The equity piece seems to be slowing this down a little bit. I know you mentioned that it does have support among Democrats and some Republicans, but is that the sticking point here? Is that why this isn't a law for, yet? For some, the, the equity is an issue for the far left. But I'll tell you in this bill, we allow states to do whatever they want in terms of social equity. And yep. I think that's how you get there by uh, th- that's a way to get both Republicans and Democrats on board is you can't go too far into the fringes, either being too far right or too far left. You've yeah. got to be uh, just right. And and I believe that this this framework provides for both sides. States with adult use cannabis have now generated, I read, more than $10 billion in tax revenue, according to the Marijuana Policy Project. What would your bill mean for tax revenue on a national level? Can you even quantify that? Yeah, well, it would depend on the industry. So a 3% excise tax, the industry they're saying by 2025 will be, you know, 25 billion, upwards of 75 billion in just a few years, there will be revenue. And it's, it's a matter of ensuring that we are responsible with that. If you have taxes that are too high, then you're going to incentivize illicit markets and black markets. You're going to incentivize people to go on the street and buy it illegally. So Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that taxes remain very low so that we prevent and reduce the propensity for illegal cannabis in this country. It's here. It's not going away. And it's it's kind of stupid not to take this up and actually do something with it. It's something as a Republican I ran on in my general yes. election in 2020. Mm-hmm. And when I run on issues, I try to make good on it. And so that's why you saw us working on this bill this year. Yours is the only Republican proposal, as I understand, that's been endorsed by Amazon. You're also endorsed by Normal. Where is the Republican Party on this at large? Mitch McConnell just the other day was very critical of Democrats attaching the Safe Banking Act to the USICA bill. He called it a poison pill. He referred to the opioid addiction crisis. Does Mitch McConnell reflect the broader party position on this? I think the party has a very diverse, you know, diversity of opinion on the cannabis issue. And it it does affect the opioid crisis because in states, and you can read in the Journal of American Medicine and other uh, peer-reviewed medical journals, that states that have an opioid crisis 
is when cannabis is introduced legally, the rate of addiction to opioids yes. in that state is statistically significantly reduced. Yeah, he was implying and, the opposite. It might have been better for me to clarify that. Oh, okay. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I've been attacked by the chairman of my Republican state party. Which is ironic because, you know, you don't understand the bill or understand what we're trying to do um, if that's your, in my opinion, that's your position on it. Yeah. Because in South Carolina, bright red conservative South Carolina, it's actually Republicans that brought CBD and hemp to the state. It's actually Republicans that just last night, State Senator Tom Davis passed medical marijuana out of the Senate chamber. And it'll, it'll go to the State House next week. And I hope it gets to the governor's desk for signage this legislative cycle. So... You know, we've got to be really careful because uh, it's something that people want. In Mississippi, medical marijuana was uh, popular with 78% of voters. <laughs> so it's enormously popular. If Mississippi can do it, then I think we all can do it. But uh, it's popular with both Republicans and Democrats. It yeah. does not have a political party affiliation. And if you're a Republican and against uh, responsible reforms, you're on the wrong side of the issue. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina. It's great to have you with us today on Bloomberg. And I appreciate your insights. Stay with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal, pot legalization boosted as Schumer makes issue a top priority. You just heard from the lawmakers who wrote the bills. Next, we'll hear from the panel. See if these have any chance in a midterm election year. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us today, along with Republican strategist Doug High. Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, of course, said recently that he will formally unveil his own cannabis legislation as soon as April. It would legalize marijuana. It would set tax and banking rules like we were just discussing with Congressman Perlmutter and Representative Mace. But he's looking for more than that. We got into this a little bit with Congressman Perlmutter uh, in terms of the equity component of this and, and criminal justice reform, something that Senator Schumer talked about on the Senate floor last summer. It's not just an idea whose time has come. It's long overdue. We have all seen the agony of a, of a young person arrested with a small amount of marijuana in his or her pocket. And because of the, over, the historical overcriminalization of marijuana, they have a very severe criminal record they have to live with their whole lives. Tougher to get a job, tougher to get credit, tougher to live a normal life. The waste of human resources because of the historic overcriminalization has been one of the great historical wrongs for the last decades. And we are going to change it. Making it a personal matter, he appeared in the Senate gallery with Senator Cory Booker and Senator Ron Wyden, both of whom he tapped to help write this. Although, as I mentioned earlier, kicked out a letter today to the to the full Senate body. Uh, certainly, the Democratic Caucus inviting everyone to be involved in drafting all of this. But you know, then there's reality. Like we discussed with Congressman Perlmutter, his bill has passed six times. There's no law yet. And that could be different this time around. We'll see. The China Competes bill is its own story. But in a midterm election year, when Build Back Better is on the shelf, when a lot of the priorities, voting rights and so forth, of the Democratic Party are being challenged, we wonder what's happening here. 
And so we assemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano is with us, along with Republican strategist Doug High, back with us today for the first time in a bit. Former Deputy Chief of Staff to Eric Cantor, former RNC Communications Director. It's great to have you, Doug, and Jeannie, as always. Jeannie, I'll start with you as a Democrat. Do you see this as a viable I'll say option, never mind priority is the word that Chuck Schumer is using in this midterm election year. You know, I I think I agree with Representative Mace when she says, you know, much of this is only controversial in Washington, D.C., and it is about time. My real challenge here, what I see is what you talked about with Representative Perlmutter, which is that Chuck Schumer wanting to go bigger, mm-hmm. all things that many Democrats and even some moderate Republicans and others agree with, but it may be difficult to pass in an election year. So why not, for instance, do the Safe Banking Act, get yeah. that through and work on the others when you can make move, get movement there. But, you know, the issue of the criminalization and the equity, those are critically important. Chuck Schumer is right, but getting those passed as part of a bigger reality. bill this year is going to be tough. Well, how about the Safe Banking Act itself, though, uh, Doug? If Mitch McConnell's, you know, making fun of this, he's making jokes about it on on the Senate floor. Does this even stand a chance to get through a conference committee? I think it'd be very tough for not just this to get through, but anything on this issue to get through. Look, you know, one of the things that we've seen with uh, a lack of Democratic um, enthusiasm going into the elections is that they don't see Washington and they don't see, frankly, you know, or or more specifically the Biden administration or Democratic Congress getting their priorities done. And so if you can't get through these things that the president has now been pushing for about a year, things like build back better in whatever Mm -hmm. form that may be, or or voting rights, which they've put back up on the front burner again, how this is going to be the thing that gets through and be some kind of feather in a cap for Democrats um, seems like a stretch. We should probably make the difference, though, uh, I think, uh, as Jeannie did, between the, a more comprehensive approach, Doug, and simply the Safe Banking Act that, that Perlmutter is talking about, which which seeks to do even less than Nancy Mace's bill. Look, for states, and some of them are Republican states that have legalized marijuana, this would simply protect businesses that are already operating. Is that too controversial to pass? Well, it may not be too controversial to pass, but it doesn't seem right now that there's an impetus for members to have this be what they get behind in an election year. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot that's really getting through. Um, obviously, in the sp- um, with the Supreme Court nomination coming up, the Senate will be a little further distracted, as those things always do. Um, so for this to be a priority um, at this point seems, um, seems like it just won't be. Jeannie, when you hear Chuck Schumer speak to this, and I realize your position on it, uh, it, it seems to be consistent with the theme of the last year. Does it not? Democrats seeing an opportunity and reaching too far, going too big to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I think they have got to count. And, you know, we have seen movement on some pieces of legislation where they can cobble together a majority. The post office bill we talked about yesterday, yeah. <laughs> this agreement on violence against women, the mandatory arbitration. So, you know, I think the danger here is they try to go too big. They try to do this sort of comprehensive approach to equity, you know, decriminalization or addressing criminal rights reform, all of these things, when the fact is, 
is you should not be legalizing an industry in, in multiple states across the country and not give the people working in that industry access to the banking system in a way that's safe. This is actually, as Perlmutter said, about safety. And that's something that a lot of people, Republicans and Democrats, can get behind. And it's a lot of jobs we're talking about here. Um, you know, we're talking about these companies, Doug, listing their stocks on major exchanges. When you hear a Republican like Nancy Mace make the case, does it still does it still sound like a fringe issue? Uh, it still does to a lot of members and senators. And, you know, that ultimately is that's what counts. Important. You know, go go back to the hearings that we had uh, a couple of years ago where you saw Republican and Democratic senators um, really struggle to come up with what Facebook meant and what Twitter really is. Um, for those members to really be on the forefront of anything that legalizes or you know goes around the financial or banking systems around legalizing marijuana is something yeah. that they're just not going to get. What's the last word on this, Jeannie? Does it make it through at least the conference committee here before it goes to the floor with regard to the China Competes Act? Or is this as far as it goes? Number six, and that's all. I think it shouldn't have been part of the China Competes Act myself. I think it should be separate. And to Doug's point, they've got to explain that this is about safe banking and not about increasing use. Yeah. Jeannie Shanzano, along with Doug High, on the panel today on Bloomberg Sound On. Thanks for being with us on the fastest hour in politics. We have a lot of other issues to get to as well today. It's been a busy day in Washington. Joe Manchin's talking about inflation. You saw that this morning. CPI. He's not changing his tune. Even as President Biden leaves the bubble, this is Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The big headline this morning is Charlie's been mentioning the latest reading on inflation. The consumer price index up by a more than expected 7.5%. Most in four decades moved the markets and, for that matter, Senator Joe Manchin, who reiterated his opposition to a big spending plan a la Build Back Better today in Washington. This is not a time to be throwing more fuel on the fire. We have, an infl- we have uh, inflation and we have basically uh, an economy that's on fire. You don't throw more fuel on the fire that's already on fire, causing the problems that we have. Let's reassemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano and Republican strategist Doug High. This hour, former communications director at the RNC, former chief of staff to Eric Cantor. Doug, uh, we mentioned Build Back Better uh, very briefly uh, earlier this hour. There's been talk of chunking this up about maybe finding some individual pieces that could pass. If you ask Joe Manchin, he says it's dead. 
Is there any chance for something to come out of the ashes of that bill before it's too late in a midterm election year? There's always a chance of something coming back, and the Biden administration needs it. You know, there's polling today. I saw John King on CNN highlight that 56 percent of Americans couldn't identify something good that Joe Biden has done. So he has to pass some bills. He has to be seen signing legislation into law. He has to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is probably to break some of these things up, explain why they're important to the American people and have Congress do those things that he can cut a deal with Joe Manchin in. Otherwise, just pack it up. Jeannie, the president left Washington today, got on the chopper. They put the reporters on the Osprey. They went to beautiful Culpeper, Virginia, where he made the case for lowering prices specifically for prescription drugs. Lowering the cost of prescription drugs is important, and giving families like yours just a little bit more breathing room makes a gigantic difference. But, Jeannie, there's no bill outside of Build Back Better that would do that. What are we talking about? Love the way you say Culpepper, Joe Matthews. Thank you. It just comes out <laughs> well like that. Done. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a piece of the Build Back Better agenda. One of the things the Democrats wanted to do was allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices starting in 2028. That's mm-hmm. part of what was on the table there. So despite Joe Manchin continuing to say it's dead, we have President Biden hitting the road with this in this, you know, swing district where Abigail Spanberger is, is you know, has a really tough race. He's going to be talking about one piece of this so it's it's one of two things either he's talked to mansion and they have a pathway forward on a chunk of this or he's just <laughs> going to go out and still talk about something that by the way is popular with the american public they want to see drug prices decreased so he's trying to i think have it both ways to a certain extent Looking at a uh, live shot on the terminal right now, live go of the stakeout uh, cameras, uh, the stakeout microphones, I should say, out in front of the West Wing. An important meeting happening there tonight that has to do with the president's deliberations over the Supreme Court. President and Vice President Kamala Harris today meeting with Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's telling NBC News tonight uh, that his shortlist is down to about four people. Doug, will, will an announcement be imminent here? I know he said the end of February. Why not now? Uh, I would say do this um, sooner rather than later. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump had a list of people um, in advance that he said he was going to consider. I don't think anybody would think that Joe Biden didn't have that list, especially since he had promised it was going to come from, you know, a subset of, you know, the larger population of who might be considered and get moving on this. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to deliver something to his base that they can point to and say, this is why we put Joe Biden in office. And this is a, you know, even though essentially he'll be replacing a square peg with a square peg, yes. um, a liberal for a liberal, it still is something that will excite certainly African-American voters, uh, but also his base that needs to see a win on something. But you, can he get a Republican to vote? I, I think I think we'll have to see on who, who he nominates. I, I, I'd advise Republicans to um, you know, keep the focus on where you want it to be, on inflation, on rising violent crime on all the other myriad of issues that are a problem for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. The challenge is you're going to have some Republicans who are potentially who are on the Judiciary Committee who are potentially running for governor, want to have or president, um, have some moments that stick out. And that could cause problems for that strategy. Gene, you remember how long we waited for those Fed nominees? We talked about it every week until we kind of gave up for a while. Uh, We're not going to do that again, I presume, with a Supreme Court nominee. But why not now? Gosh, I hope we don't do that. We waited so long for those. Um, you know, I think the president is going to release these, uh, you know, make his his appointment, his nomination mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. You think he's but made up his mind? 
I would think he is close to making up his mind. I think it's probably less of that and more of him wanting to make sure whoever he puts forward is going to be well-received. I think he wants to get at least a nominee who will get one or two at the minimum Republicans to support them. And there are names out there. We've already heard Lindsey Graham, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, some others say there are people on that short list they could support. So, you know, we may he may get that. But I do think that's what he's banking on. And I also think he wants to, you know, put somebody forward that progressive Democrats are going to be excited about. That and the abortion decision by the Supreme Court are going to play big in the midterm for Democrats. These are huge issues, and his choice will as well. Uh, Doug, you mentioned some of the things that this president and that Democrats need to do. Uh, You're also writing in the Washington Post about what the Republican Party should be doing, or in this case, not. With the headline, Republicans are attacking each other at the worst possible time. I'd encourage everybody to go check this out. It's in today's Washington Post. Uh, As you point out, the party could do well in November, but censuring its own members won't help. And, of course, I'm looking at a picture of Representatives Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney here. We've talked about this quite a bit uh, since the resolution to censure these two was passed last Friday, Doug. Uh, Mitch McConnell is not on board. I just wonder how much of the Republican Party you think is. Well, I don't think we really know. Um, You know, certainly the activist part of the party, um, which is made up of county chairs and state party chairs, uh, committee members who voted on the censure um, do. But for most, I think I think most Republicans, regardless of where they stand on uh, Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger, they want Republicans focused on Joe Biden. And in politics, the best thing you can do is stay out of your own way. And what Republicans did or the Republican National Committee did made sure that Republicans were continuing to fight with each other, bringing you know, the, the RNC bringing Mitch McConnell into the fight and Mitt Romney in the fight, which then brought Donald Trump in the fight. So now we've been talking about this for six days. That's right. We're going to continue to talk about it for several days when we should be talking about just today, uh, 7% unemployment and, or excuse me, <laughs> inflation and the um, 56% of Americans who don't think that Joe Biden's done anything good. Talk about that all day, every day and stop fighting amongst yourselves. Well, as the former comms director for the RNC, I just wonder what you make of uh, of, the, of the, the committee kind of playing this role, as Mitch McConnell put it, of picking winners and losers who are already elected to office. Yeah, well, one thing, the RNC has very strict rules about whether it can and can't get in primaries, and overwhelmingly it's that they can't. What happened last Friday puts them in a position to now do so in the Cheney primary. So what you'll see is the Republicans, Republican National Committee now, will be spending money in at least one race, not against Democrats, but against another Republican, mm-hmm. which I'd say is a waste of resources, but also, again, continues to fight amongst itself and stay in its own way when it should be focused on Joe Biden, who's unpopular right now and, and whose unpopularity is lower than it was for Barack Obama going into the 2010 midterms uh, when Republicans had a, had a big night. And so if you want to have a big night in 2022, focus on Democrats. Yeah. fighting amongst yourself. We're spending time with Doug High, Jeannie Shenzano in our remaining moments here with the panel. Uh, they passed another bill today. My God, this is what, two in a row? We talked about the post office bill yesterday. Senators today in a voice vote, a bipartisan voice vote, cleared a bill to end what they call forced arbitration. You might have heard about this for victims of sexual assault or harassment in the workplace. This will now go to the president. The bill would allow victims not only to speak out publicly, but would also allow them to go to court. 
Senator Kirsten uh, Gillibrand of New York was one of the early sponsors of the bill. No longer will survivors of sexual assault or harassment in the workplace come forward and be told that they are legally forbidden to sue their employer because somewhere buried in their employment contracts was this forced arbitration clause. Jeannie, how significant is it that this passed by a voice vote? Very important. This bill was bipartisan. You mentioned Kristen Gillibrand, Lindsey Graham on the other side. Fox News' Gretchen Carlson apparently was able to get him on board with this. Hmm. This is a critical piece of legislation. And I heard some of the hearings last year when victims testified about the fact that they are silenced. I mean, what had been happening is you took a job, you signed away your ability, if something happened, to address it in court. You were forced to go to mandatory arbitration. Yes, right. This ends that, and that is critically important for all victims, men and women, of sexual harassment and sexual abuse in the workplace and beyond. Quickly, Jeannie, this bill is retroactive. I learned today from Mark Crumpton, First Word News. Are we about to see a lot of cases reopen? We may see a bunch of cases reopen, and rightly so, because victims have been silenced on this for far too long. Great conversation with Jeannie Shanzano, and great to have Doug Hyde back. Doug, thank you for your insights today, and I look forward to putting this together once again soon on the fastest hour in politics. Indeed, sir. February is Black History Month. Every day this month, we're celebrating significant moments in U.S. black history. And now with your installment on this 10th of February, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in black history in 1989, attorney Ron Brown becomes the first African-American elected national chairman of the Democratic Party. As chairman, Brown played a key role in securing the 1992 election of Bill Clinton, who was the first Democrat to win the U.S. presidency since Jimmy Carter in 1976. So in 1993, Clinton nominated Brown as Commerce Secretary. And when the Senate confirmed him, Brown became the first black person to hold that cabinet post in U.S. history. That's Today in Black History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. And I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks for being with us on this little Friday on Bloomberg Sound On. I'll meet you back here tomorrow for the Friday edition on the fastest hour in politics. Stay with us, we'll check the market straight ahead. Daybreak Asia follows. I'm Joe Matthew, this is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.